What is going on, everyone? This is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And here on today's episode, we are going to talk about all the things that happened uh, with the losers of the first round of the NBA playoffs. And then we're going to take a look at the round two matchups and make our picks on those matchups and see who we like. Now, let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's going on, everybody? This is Eric, your ranting co-host here. And it's funny because I was thinking not too long ago, man, I always call myself the ranting co-host, but I haven't had a epic rant in a while, but uh, that's going to change tonight. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> and what's going on, guys? It's Connor, the co-host with the most and excited to talk about these games. I didn't get to watch a whole bunch of them just because I've been watching a lot of hockey recently. Um, but nonetheless, I'm excited to talk about, you know, hopefully get into some of these teams, like the future for some of the losing teams and, um, hopefully carry on with our, our picks in the brackets and talking about the winners. Yeah, definitely, man. So let's get a little ahead there. Um, so yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to start out talking about the eight losing teams in the NBA playoffs. We'll each kind of talk about what we think needs to happen in their futures and where they go from here and then we'll take a look at those four matchups that are going on right now and some of them have already started some of them will start so we'll see uh who we think wins those now i want to start first off here and talk about the miami heat they were actually the only team in the playoffs this year that got swept Uh, every other team that we'll talk about at least won a game in the playoffs But the Heat were the only ones that got swept, and it was pretty bad. A lot of their games weren't even close. They blew leads in some of them. Really, game one was the best shot for the Heat. It went to overtime, and they couldn't pull through in overtime. Jimmy Butler tried his best at the end of the fourth quarter. He took it to overtime, but he he, he didn't have enough left in the tank or something in that overtime, and it cost them. But... Out of all these teams on the list here, I think for Miami's sake, they're the ones I think that are either in the best shape or potentially set up to be in the best shape because uh, they still have, you know, their core. Now, the the biggest complaint about the Heat's core right now is that a lot of the bubble performances, like from Tyler Hero and stuff, Heat fans were getting crazy about uh, how good Tyler Hero was, but... Uh, he didn't have as good of a season this year and same with some other guys. The Heat don't have like a top 10 player in the NBA. They just have a lot of pretty decent players. Now, they're still going to be, I think, a playoff team next year, no doubt. But for the key, the, the, the key for the Heat's future is they need to land a big name free agent this offseason. Whether Kawhi Leonard... Uh, uh, takes his player option and leaves the Clippers. They need to pursue him heavily or some other superstar that's bound to be either a free agent. I know for years they've been talking about trying to trade for Bradley Beal. I think that would also be another route to go if the Wizards decide to give him up, but they need to do something to add a superstar to this team. It was nice to have a team of Rough Riders, a team of guys that played, you know, really well together, no superstar on the team, but that's not long-term success in the NBA. Definitely not. This is a star league. They need to add a star, and that's the biggest thing for them because they develop players nicely. There's there's no question about that. The rookies they have, they'll develop nicely into bench players and starters, but they need to get that star. That's the biggest key for the Heat. And now I'll let Eric talk about the New York Knicks, a team we didn't think would be in the playoffs, but a surprisingly good year for them, but a bad playoff. So, Eric, talk about the Knicks' future. Yeah, the Knicks going uh, into the season were definitely going to be one of the worst teams, in my opinion. They were definitely one of my biggest surprises, for sure. And I think the Knicks are in a similar position to the Heat, is what Zach was talking about. They've got a you know, great player in Julius Randle. And they've got a couple of young pieces. Like, they drafted Obi Toppin, and they have R.J. Barrett. So they've got some young guys. But similar to the Heat, though, they don't have a big star player. And that's been the biggest problem for the Knicks for years, is that even though they've been in a big market, 
they haven't been able to lure any big name free agents or they haven't had the pieces to make a trade for a big name piece in a really long time. But I think the fact that they have made the playoffs now and have some decent pieces on the team, I think they are looking like a potentially more attractive option for somebody that might want to leave their team, but still be in a big market as opposed to before where they were just so bad that even though they were in a big market, nobody wanted to go there. So things may start to change for the Knicks going forward. Uh, they're definitely going to be one of my more intriguing teams to watch this upcoming offseason for sure. All right. And then we'll turn over now to the Boston Celtics, and they had a lot of uh, front office changes. So, Connor, talk about uh, what you think those changes are, are going to be good or bad for the Celtics and kind of what – their expectations and what they need to do next season. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the, you know, the Celtics had a pretty disappointing season by their standards. They were, they were the three seed in the East last year, if I remember correctly. Um, You know, obviously they were an NBA finals threat last season. They, unfortunately for them, they got knocked out by the heat in the bubble and really coming into this season, they were looking again, like they were going to be one of the upper class teams in the East. Like, I don't think any of us had them being better than uh, the Nets, but, you know, I know Zach had them uh, going to the NBA to the, not the NBA. He had them going to the Eastern conference finals or not, not Zach. Eric had them going to the Eastern yeah, conference finals. Um, but yeah, like, you know, we thought they were going to be good. And unfortunately for them, they finished with a 500 record, which, you know, in their eyes is not good. So Danny Ainge did step down from his position, and I'm not sure why they decided to promote Brad Stevens. Um, I don't know if that's a good move or not, seeing as how, obviously, like, you know, being the coach this year, and he didn't exactly lead them to the, you know, as much success. So I don't quite understand that reason um, behind doing that, but obviously, you know, I'm going to trust that they know what they're doing. You know, these NBA teams, you know, especially an organization like the Celtics that, you know, they have a lot of history. They have a lot of history of success. You know, I trust that they know what they're doing, but I just question it a little bit. Obviously that's going to mean a new coach for next season. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything too much about who the next coach potentially could be. Um, You know, I know there's obviously some other head coaching vacancies out there. You know, Zach knows that both the magic and the trailblazers are going to be looking for a head coach this off season. Um, So, there's other, so we'll probably hear more about this in the coming weeks, but the real key for the Celtics in my mind is just they have to find some level of consistency because I think Zach talked about this in the past or, you know, with Jason Tatum, how like he can have these games where he goes out and he gets like 50 points or 60 points almost, but then he'll come back the next week and he'll have like, he'll be like 30% from the field and only get like 19 points or something, something like low by his standards when, you know, your superstar players should be out here averaging somewhere around, like, 28 to 30 points a game, probably. Um, So it's really, and also, you know, Kemba Walker really hasn't been that, he's been hurt a lot. He missed almost half the season this season. Um, Obviously, some of those were him just sitting out games, but he was also injured at times during the season. Um, He hasn't really been that successful number two that they were really hoping for. So, I mean, and again, just like Jason Tatum, Kemba has shown moments of brilliance like he did during the playoffs last year. There was a couple games against the Heat when the Celtics were down um, against them. And then Kemba Walker was the one who brought them back into the game. So I don't know if they need to really make too many moves per se, because, I mean, they have a solid roster. Obviously, they have Tatum and Kemba and, you know, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown when he's healthy. Um, It's just they have to find consistency. I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but... Um, if they can find consistency, I could see them being, you know, a potential spoiler in the East in the future. But, you know, if they continue down the same path, they're just going to end up have, being 500 mediocre as they were this year. Yeah, for sure, man. And uh, moving on now to the last East team we have here, the Washington Wizards. So, Eric, you'll talk about the Wizards, but um, what do you think is going to happen with Russell Westbrook, um, their head coach? Scott Brooks, he was a, a lot of thunder ties uh, to this team. So give your insight on what you think the Wizards should do. Well, my uh, my insight on what the Wizards should do is they should do whatever 
Bradley Beal wants to do what like basically whatever he wants that would get him to stay. So if Bradley Beal really likes Russ, which I'm not really truly sure if he does, but if he really likes Russ and wants to keep him around and then wants to try to build around the two of them, then keep him. If he doesn't like Russ and he wants him out, then trade him and get what you can for him because the Wizards are not going to be able to uh, they're not going to be able to bring in another superstar. They're not in as good of a position as say like a team like the Heat or the Knicks might be that we were talking about earlier. They're they're not going to be able to bring in any big names. So in my mind, I wouldn't trade Bradley Beal just because he's the the main piece of the team unless you just like really, really want it out and you had no other, your hands are tied and you don't have any other options. But if I'm the Wizards, I'm doing whatever it takes to keep that man happy. And if it involves trading Russ, then do it. And then if, uh, you know, if their coach, I'm, I, obviously I know their coach is a big fan of Russ, but if he doesn't like that type of move, then get rid of him and get somebody else in there. Uh, because I know a lot of people look at the Wizards and, you know, they looked at all of Russ's triple doubles and all of his triple doubles. My favorite thing in the NBA you know, they look at his stats and they say, I mean, there were people literally saying that Russ should be, should have been in the MVP talks after that run that the Wizards went on towards the end of the season, which was just absolute garbage to me. But anyway, stats do not tell the whole story, people. Russell Westbrook is not the best player on this team. Bradley Beal is the best player on this team. So keep that man happy. Do whatever you got to do to keep him around, and then go from there. That I don't really know, unfortunately, like what they can do going forward in terms of free agents, what they might be able to do, or who they might be looking to draft or whatever. I can't give that much insight, but it all starts with keeping Bradley Beal happy. That is true. All right, so let's uh, let's go over over to the West here. Um, I will talk about the Memphis Grizzlies, Grizzlies real fast, and then. We will hear something from Eric now. Do you want, do you want to save him for last? <laughs> uh, yeah. Let, let's add the. It let's add the <laughs> we'll add the suspense and make it last. Um, so for the the thing for the Grizzlies, I I look at this as a success. I mean, they were the nine seed actually at the end of the year, and they pat, won the pat on the back for getting that lock correct. <laughs> <laughs> they uh they won their playing games and everything this time around they actually made it to the playoffs so i gotta give them a lot of credit for that um you know the the john morant zion williamson you know same draft class pick number one pick number two so far jaw he's had the better uh success with the grizzlies than the pelicans because the pelicans were pretty awful this year so kudos to jaw now kind of the I see the the Grizzlies in kind of a similar situation to the Wizards. Um, I think they're a better team. They just happen to play in the West, so they have a lot more competition than the Wizards do. But you got to keep John Morant happy. Build around Jaw. That's the that's the key for Memphis. Get get guys that complement Jaw, um, and really build around him because he is the superstar for this team. And and I think he can do really great things for him. Just build around him and understand that, you know, Memphis isn't going to the finals next year or anything, but they can they can improve on this. And I think it was good for them to get the the playoff experience and uh, losing to the Jazz. You know, that's not there's no shame in that, especially with Donovan Mitchell coming back. But, you know, good overall season for the Grizzlies. I can't complain about them. Uh, Connor, you're going to talk about the Mavericks now and. They have not won a playoff series yet with Luca. Is that concerning to you? And what do you take away from this uh, this series lead that they choked away by not winning a game at home to the Clippers? Yeah, I mean, I'm not so sure that I'm really concerned about Luca as a player. I think I'm more so concerned about the rest of the Mavericks team because obviously, you know, we saw in that last game against the Clippers, like literally Luca was the only one doing anything that entire game. Like you go back and look at him and like 
Tim Hardaway was like one of nine from three. Porzingis was like oh of five from three. I mean, I know he was he was like fifty percent from the field overall, but I mean, you know, when you're right under the basket, you need to make those shots anyway. So, um, but yeah, he was the only one doing anything during that game. Obviously, he's kind of in that same category as Russ, though, where you know he gets all those triple doubles, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean anything. Um, you know, I mean, I'd have to say this is a disappointing season for the Mavericks. You know, I know I had them go into the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers. Um, you know, both Zach and Eric picked him to win the pick Doncic to win the MVP award. That's not going to happen. I mean, obviously, it hasn't been officially announced yet. But if it's not Nikola Jokic, then something wrong happened in the voting process. Um, so. But yeah, I think it's really, I think the Mavericks, I think their number one priority during the offseason is, I think they need to find a way to try and trade Kristaps Porzingis. He really has been so under, he's been hurt all the time. He's been so underwhelming for them. He had a terrible playoffs. Like I remember, you know, if you go back and listen to the, the last episode or the one before the last episode, when we were talking about our, you know, X factors for each team. And I said, Porzingis was going to be the X factor for this team. If he showed up that they would advance. If he didn't show up, they'd get eliminated and he didn't show up and they got eliminated. So, um, you know, and obviously, like you said, choking away this lead, I mean, you know, this was an interesting series. The fact that six up until game seven, the road team won every game, uh, that's never happened before in the history of the NBA. So, um, in a sense, you kind of figured that the Clippers, in a way, were going to win that game seven because you're like, okay, someone has to win at home. But, you know, the Mavericks didn't even put up a fight in that game for the most part. Like, they kind of just rolled over and died. Like, you know, they were down by eight at halftime. And then I saw them, like, they came back. They went on, like, a 9-0 run or something and took the lead back. And then the Clippers just rolled all over them, even with Paul George playing, like, terribly. The Clippers still managed to get over them. So... Never good to blow a playoff lead. Like I said, I think the future for them is they have to find a way to trade Porzingis. They need to find someone else to pair with Luka. Um, you know, because obviously, again, maybe this is like a situation like Eric said with the Wizards. Like, anything to keep Luka happy, you know, do that. Because he's not the problem. So, um, that's all I can say about the Mavericks. Like, they fell below expectations, and they should have won that series against the Clippers. We should have been hearing two rants from Eric tonight, and not just one. <laughs> Bro, I don't have right. the energy for that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we would just make this a, a rant episode. Eric rants. Um, yeah. <laughs> that would have been my next mug bang or something. Just me ranting the whole yeah. time. I wouldn't even food. I would just I would just be ranting. The you'd be, whole time. You'd be ranting. The, you, the food, go ahead. So you'd be you'd be ranting on the food too. <laughs> I would even if the food was good. I'd find a way to rant about it. I'd be so, in such a bad mood. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Next, we're going to talk about the Portland Trailblazers. And, you know, I consider possibly making a rant on them, but I'm not going to because I, when you look at the the way that they lost, you know, that it was, I mean, Terry Stotts, their head coach, definitely deserved to be fired. Just terrible roster uh, management with the player personnel he put in the game and kept out of the game. That was bad. Taking guys out of the game after they make three straight three-pointers like this kind of stuff he was playing like a coach that wanted to get fired and they quote-unquote parted ways after the game so I I think he knew he was going to be fired but um here's the deal for the the trailblazers is it's they obviously they have to shake it up now I mean it's it's been far too long far too many times the trailblazers lose in the first round that's that keeps popping up everywhere you know they have the longest playoff streak but they also have you know about half those times lost in the first round so well i mean to be fair last time y'all lost to the lakers so yeah they usually that, are but... they they've lost to the warriors like three times and the lakers once but still though it's it's been the disappointment and the ways that you fix this team i could talk about this for a long time but i'll try and give a simplified answer uh Probably you have to trade CJ now and you have to bring in a, a another guard that's a good defender because that's not Dame's Dame is not a great defender. He's great at offense, but not great at defense. So bring in a two way uh, shooting guard to add to this team because you have to improve the defense. That's obviously necessary. Uh, bring in a head coach that 
obviously you want Dame to like the head coach that they bring in, but they have to bring in someone that's going to hold him accountable. And that's, that's important too. You know, you can't just settle for isolation play the entire game. You got to have ball movement and you got to hold players accountable. So that's number two. And then I would like them to keep Nurkic. I really would, but we'll see about that. I know he's got to get better though. He's got to, improve his basketball IQ, taking unnecessary fouls really cost them in games when he would foul out. Heck, that game six, he he managed the first half to, to get no fouls and then picked up four in the third quarter. So he's got to cut down on his fouls and, and they got to bring in another big man. But here's the thing I want to kind of see if you, see what you guys think about this. This is what some Blazer fans have been proposing is to have a three-way trade and I'll tell you the teams and stuff and what the trade is. And then you guys can tell me if you like it or not for the other team's sake. But okay. uh, the three-team trade here would be trade CJ McCollum to the Philadelphia 76ers because we assume that they're not going to win the finals and they're going to want to make a little change to their team. So trade CJ to them, give some shooting to their guards, and then uh, take Tobias Harris or... Uh, um, and maybe a young player from Philly to go to the Toronto Raptors and then send from the Toronto Raptors Pascal Siakam to the Blazers and then have the Blazers send some draft picks to Toronto. So Toronto gets some draft picks and a Tobias Harris and maybe a rookie. Philly gets CJ McCollum and then Portland gets... um, uh, I mean, Pascal Siakam. I, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming some draft picks might have to be thrown in there to Philadelphia too, though. I'm not sure they would take CJ just on his own to give up to Bob. Yeah, maybe, Harris. maybe throw in, <laughs> maybe throw in a draft pick to them too. So, um, how does that sound? That's that's a three way trade. Um, but Eric, I'll start with you. If you think that's that's reasonable or not, uh, that, that was definitely a lot to take in there. <laughs> uh, still kind of processing that but uh i i think it would be fair but i if i because the the thing with the rap the thing with the raptors is they seem to be starting to go into like a rebuild because they're obviously they had a really bad year they're probably going to trade kyle lowry and siakam hasn't got along well but siakam and nick nurse haven't gotten along well so yeah i I think overall it's pretty reasonable, but I will say if I was Philly, though, I probably wouldn't do this. Like, I would rather have Tobias Harris than CJ, even if there's, like, draft picks involved. Like, I don't know. I I feel like I would rather still have him over CJ because if they get CJ and then lose Tobias, their defense is definitely going to get a lot worse. Uh, but, I mean, they could use a shooter, so I, I don't think it's – entirely unreasonable but i mean if this were to happen though i think it would be a good deal for portland because they you know get somebody who is a decent scorer that can also uh play defense so if if this happens i definitely think portland would get the better end of the deal for sure and i think toronto gets a good end of the deal because they can kind of if they get a lot of draft picks out of it you know they can work on building their future. I just don't know if I like the deal for Philly, but yeah. I, but at the same time, I'm not like, oh, that's a horrible trade. You know what I mean? I I think it's pretty fair. <laughs> All right, Connor, yeah. are you in agreements? Yeah, I'm mostly with Eric here. Like, I think it's more so like you'd have to really convince Philly to get rid of Tobias Harris because Tobias Harris has been, you know, he's been a pretty good piece for them. Obviously, you know, CJ McCollum would help them, but like Eric said, they would, you know, they would go down on their defense. Pascal Siakam, like. I know he's a really good, he is kind of like a two-way, like he's a good offensive player, but he's not like the best defender in the world. Like he's obviously better than, you know, some of the people that Portland has, like Ennis Cantor and people like that. But he's not exactly a solution in my mind to that defensive problem. I mean, like he's obviously a good big man. He's a good scorer, but I don't know. Like maybe if, if they could get that to work, then I obviously, you know, wouldn't be against it. But I feel like, I can't name any names, but maybe they could go after a different big man, someone who's more a little more defensive minded uh, to pair with Dame. But 
like I said, if it worked out for them, I would take it. It's just Philly, like Eric said. I don't know. You'd have to offer them a lot to get rid of Tobias Harris, in my opinion. Maybe maybe uh, Toronto throws in Lowry or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> they were well. They that. were trying to get. They were trying to get Kyle Lowry before the trade deadline. So they like they're maybe, interested. I don't in him, know. So. I don't know. That's why. That's thing, why I say the, that. The other thing about Kyle Lowry though is that like obviously the difference between during the season and after the season, like he's going to be a year older next year. Like, yeah. you know, who's to say he's not just going to, you know, he's already regressing. Who's to say he's not going to regress even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So that, that was an interesting mock trade there, but now for what we've all been waiting for, we have, <laughs> if you've been keeping track of the teams that, that we've talked about, there's one left that got eliminated and that's the LA Lakers. So Eric, Go team that we it, all man. thought would be in the NBA finals. I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to mute my mic and uh, eat my popcorn. <laughs> well, feel free to, you know, add any, you know, commentary or right, yeah. you know anything if you need to, but well, I guess before I go on what I want to rant about, I mean, in terms of what the Lakers should do, I mean, I I've got a feeling they're going to blow this up quite a bit. I mean, I felt like a lot of their moves that they made uh, in the last offseason were head scratchers. I mean, they won the championship pretty easily with the team that they had, so I wasn't really sure why they felt the need to bring in some people that they brought in instead and then let people that they have either walk or trade them or whatever. So I fully believe that uh, Mark Gasol will be gone. I think Montrez Harrell will be gone. I think Kyle Kuzma will be gone. Uh, I I know Alex Caruso is a free agent. He might stay. I don't know. They might bring him back as like a reserve point guard or whatever. But um, I feel like a lot of the pieces not named LeBron and AD are going to be gone. Uh, Dennis Schroeder included as well. But so they're going to – but with them having obviously LeBron and AD – you know, they have the ability to get any free agent or, uh, you know, make any trade that, you know, they want to get. They'll be able to get whoever they want. So that won't be a problem for them. But as for who I think might be on their team next year, I mean, I have no idea. It's going to be – they're going to be a very active team, though, that's for sure. But what I want to rant about and just what I have to get off of my chest, and I really did not think going into this playoffs that – this would come up. I mean, my whole focus going into this playoffs was the Clippers because I had predicted them last year to get so far and then they didn't. And I was really upset about it. And then uh, this year I predicted them. I was like, I'm just giving them a chance. And it looked like when they were down 2-0 to the Mavericks and then down pretty big at the beginning of game three, I, I thought for sure that that rant was incoming. But the Clippers managed to pull it out. They've avoided a rant for now at least, but what's really bothering me is this man, LeBron James. So, (laughs) shocker, uh, I don't like him, but I don't know, man. I mean, this guy, just from all the excuses I've heard from him, all the excuses I've heard from the media, I'm going to be calling out the media here as well, uh, it just pisses me off, man. It just really upsets me because, first of all, when the Lakers were about to win game three, they were up big. AD was killing it for them. And the Lakers, they got pretty cocky during that game. I don't know if you guys saw it, but uh, anybody that watched. I, tip, I typically don't watch blowout NBA games when it gets to that point, to be yeah, honest. But... It, wasn't, it wasn't like a blowout but it was yeah. the end of the game and it was looking pretty obvious that the Lakers were going to win and LeBron had his like back to the basket and Jay Crowder was on him and then like all the Lakers players were doing the same thing and they were imitating the moves and Jay Crowder did play a pretty bad defense on this play but then LeBron got an easy bucket and then the Lakers were like players were like on the court and just like all, they just got so ridiculous with them. They were all happy, and it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to win. And yeah, it, Honestly, it looked like the Lakers were on a clear path to an easy 4-1 to series win over the Suns. But then AD got hurt, and that changed the complexion of the series completely. And just what really blew my mind was, first of all, in Game 5, 
when LeBron James walked off the court with six minutes left in the game. Like, are you kidding me, dude? You're just going to walk out on your team like that. I, I don't think Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant would ever have done that if they were in that situation. Maybe they wouldn't have been in the game. Maybe the coach would have been like, okay, this one's over. We're going to take the L and move on to the next game. But they would have stayed out on the court at least. That was, honestly, I didn't see it when it happened because like Zach said, sometimes when games are big blowouts, I don't watch them. But So I had kind of stopped watching that game, but I saw it later and that really frustrated me. But then I was thinking to myself, okay, come game six, this man has a chance to redeem himself. He can go out there, even if AD doesn't play, which he only played the first like few minutes and got re-injured. I don't even know why they had AD out there, to be totally honest, because he didn't look good at all. Uh, I thought that was a terrible decision. But anyway, getting back to uh, LeBron, I mean... This man did nothing in game six but cry to the officials, not get back on defense, not, e- not even helping on defense. Like, I would watch him stand in the corner, and then somebody more at the top of the key would drive his direction. And he wouldn't even stick, he didn't even, he couldn't even be bothered to stick a hand out and try to at least maybe swipe the ball or not draw a double team or anything, just stand there. And then I watched this man just play it up to the cameras. And I saw people on Twitter, and they bought this. They fell for it. But guess who's not falling for it? Me. This man freaking sat sat there on the bench, huffing and puffing. (sighs) (sighs) Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I'm so tired. Pulls himself out of the game with seven minutes left. Oh, Oh, I need a rest. Oh, I'm so tired. Bro, how can you be tired when the whole game you stand around on offense and wait for someone to come off a screen and pass the ball to them for a score, you know, so you can get your assists, so you can get your numbers. And then on defense, you trot back, even when it's a fast break or anything, you just trot back. You're barely jogging back on defense. And then you go and stand in the low block and guard the guy in the corner And, you know, then you whenever there is a miss and you collect your rebound, so you're getting another stat, you know, putting in zero effort. How can you be so tired to where you have to be pulled out of the game? I'm sorry. I'm not buying that. And then what I also didn't like was he was just so timid throughout the whole game, barely taking shots, barely driving to the basket. I mean, let me ask you guys this. Do you think... In a down 3-2 elimination game, do you think that Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant would have only taken 10 shots in the first half of the game? They probably would have taken 30 no, each. <laughs> definitely not Definitely not Kobe. I wasn't around to watch MJ, obviously, but I, I would have said no from what I've seen. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. yeah. I, I, I was no. Like, like with Zach, I wasn't around to watch MJ, but yeah, Kobe would have taken like over 20. Like well, guaranteed. And the, and the thing about MJ, because I watched him more, obviously, like I'm older than y'all. I saw him more than y'all did. Obviously, like, you can only see like highlights and stuff, but I did see some of his games. And what he would do, he might be a little bit of a distributor past the ball here, but if the teammates start missing the shots, MJ was going to say, okay, give me the ball and I'm going to go score the points. I don't care if I get triple teamed. I'm at least going to get to the foul line or I'm going to try. Like, I'm not going to just sit here and stand at the top of the uh top of the three point line and wait for someone to come open and pass him the ball and hope that they make the shot and not try. Oh yeah. I mean, well, I mean you know, he'd be taking contested shots. I mean like I used to see Kobe, he would take contested threes all over the place just to like because no one else was hitting, so he had to try. And yeah. he'd even, and he'd knock him down most of the time too. That's the crazy thing. But like okay, you know so I... at least at least taking contested shots, even if you know you have to, whereas like you said, LeBron, like he wouldn't take any shots unless it was like the easiest thing possible, like shots that I could have made probably. Yeah, but if he was like wide open for three, he would shoot it or something. But, but he, this yeah. man was just pa- passing the ball, pass, 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 pass. Gotta get my assists. Okay, on the defensive end, I'm not going to play defense because I got to get my rebounds. Because guess guess what I saw all over Twitter? 
Well, 29, 7, and 8. I mean, what else do you want him to do? He almost got a triple double. <laughs> uh, did you see how tired he was? He was trying so hard. Like, we didn't watch the same game that I watched because I watched him stand around. I watched him every time when he would try to drive to the basket. The few times he did do it, when he would drive to the basket, uh, thinking he got fouled, just stand there and yell at the ref and not get back on defense. He did that so many times. That, that yell flop thing that he does when he goes up for a layup and he tries <laughs> to draw contact, he goes, hey! like, yells out really loud. Like, yeah, like, he doesn't just flop physically. He flops verbally, too. So he was doing that the whole game. So he played, like, absolute garbage in games five and six. And... And I don't. I didn't necessarily expect them to win without AD. But if you're really the greatest of all time, LeBron, you should have gone out there and left it all on the court. Even if MJ or Kobe would have lost in that situation, nobody could say that they didn't give 120% effort. Nobody could say they didn't leave it all out on the court, blood, sweat, tears, and all. But LeBron, it was just like he couldn't be bothered to care. And, like, and that upsets me. And like when, like when my teams lose – Unless there's just like a ridiculous thing from the rest or something or just something like like absolute ridiculous happens. Like say like when my Thunder lost to the Blazers that playoff series when Dame hit that like almost half court three over Paul George. Just like ridiculous. Okay, man, like there wasn't anything we could do there. We lost. But but when I when my teams lose, like I hold my teams accountable because even when the Jaguars lost in the AFC championship to the Patriots, there was the whole thing where you know, Miles Shaq wasn't down with the refs. And obviously I was upset about that because we all know he wasn't down. But now we weren't doing the podcast back then. But Zach would tell you that I blamed the Jaguars coaches for the loss because yeah. they got so conservative in the second half. If they had been doing the same things they were doing in the first half, the whole Miles Jack wasn't down thing wouldn't have even mattered. Like, we would have won that game. Easily. He would have still had like a 20 point lead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. Instead of winning, instead of, uh, you know, the game being close, like we would have won by like 21 instead of 14. That would have been the difference between that call. So I hold, I hold my teams accountable. And the fact that like none of these, Le- well, I do know, I know some LeBron fans that realize this, but it's like the extreme LeBron fans, like LeBron sexuals, they call them. Like, those <laughs> yeah, I know, not, I know what you're talking they're, about. <laughs> they're not holding him accountable. This is why I can't even get on Twitter, dude, because this stuff gets so toxic. When I see these excuses, it just like, it, it fires me up so bad. But they, they're, they're looking, all they do is they look at the numbers. Oh, 29, 7, and 8, or oh, 38 and 6, or like, I don't I don't care about rebounds or 21 10 and 10. <laughs> I don't care about points and garbage time. I care about how hard did you try? Did you put forth a full effort on the court and he didn't do it? But it, but guess what the media does when now I'm getting going to go into the media portion of the rant. So guess what the media does when the Lakers won the championship last year? Did you hear anything about anybody other than LeBron getting mentioned? Other than maybe AD got mentioned a couple times. But it's all about, oh, LeBron, no. he's, like, he, look at what he's doing at age 36. Like, yeah. He just won an NBA oh championship. I mean, I remember ranting about this last year when they won the championship. Like, oh, LeBron, now you're in season 17. You did all that. <laughs> well, now you're going into season 18. I can't imagine you're still going to put up these numbers. You know, uh, oh, LeBron, LeBron, oh, LeBron, oh, wow, LeBron. But what? Ha- what? But what happens? I mean, I mean, I mean, that's Sports Center nowadays, though. Sports Center, like they literally don't talk about anything except for LeBron James. <laughs> it's the. It's the. It's. This is why I've said this a hundred times throughout this podcast. Like, this is why you listen to people like us or Bruce Blitz or Brody Sports Talk, people that actually pay attention and call out people when they need to be called out or give credit where the proper credit is due. Or give like actual insight and analysis and not just, oh, well, look at these numbers. Like it's amazing to me with all the resources that ESPN has, but all they can talk about are numbers. That's all they care about. Numbers, 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 points, rebounds, assists, points, rebounds, assists. That's all they care about. <laughs> but so when LeBron loses, oh, well, he's 36 years old. I mean, he can't carry a team anymore by himself. He needs more help. Or Oh, well, LeBron got all these numbers. I mean, what else do you expect him to do out there? You know, or he, you know, remember back when like three months ago when he sprained his ankle? I mean, you know, he didn't recover from that, even though in game three he 
jumped so high making a dunk that his head was like almost above the backboard but you know his ankles bothering him you know (laughs) or oh there was covid there was covid you know uh they had a shortened off season because they made it to the finals last year and they didn't get as long to rest as everybody else well let me let me go ahead and debunk that like i already debunked the ankle thing i i'm sorry but maybe his ankle wasn't a hundred percent but it was 98%. Okay, he was fine. This wasn't like AD's injury where it was like actually prohibiting him from being able to play. He was fine. Okay, so and Chris, Chris Paul, who hurt his shoulder in game one, still went out there and was giving it his all and helped his team win, even though you know he wasn't 100%. No player by this point in the season is 100%. So I, the ankle thing was just total garbage. So let me debunk the short offseason thing. They said, oh, well, you know, LeBron and the Lakers – uh you know, since there was the whole COVID thing and the off season wasn't as long, they didn't get as long of a break as everybody else. Well, I guess the media and everybody else that's making up this excuse for them, even LeBron himself mentioned this excuse in his press conference. I guess what they forgot to mention, though, is that half of this Lakers roster wasn't even on the Lakers last season. They weren't on this finals team. Yeah, that's true. That Dennis, Schru- true. Dennis Schroeder's team lost in the first round. He had a few more weeks to recover. Andre Drummond wasn't even in the bubble last season. And then this season didn't even play half the season because (laughs) Cleveland was sitting him out uh, because they were trying to trade him. So I think he was pretty well rested. Montrez Uh, Harrell Clippers. Yeah. Montrez Harrell and Mark Gasol, their teams lost in the second round of the playoffs last year. So literally only a few people went through the shortened off season. So I don't want to hear this. Oh, the Lakers were exhausted. Oh, they were so tired. I, I don't want to hear this crap. That was garbage. Literally, They the weren't tired time. in the regular season. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, they weren't tired in the regular season when they were the one seed before players got injured. You know, they weren't tired in games two and three when they blew the suns out. They didn't look very tired then either. So, okay, <laughs> whatever. And now, literally probably the saddest one I heard, though, was one of the commentators during one of the games. They were like, well, you know, Phoenix is, uh, you know, they're – their state and their stadium they're allowing a lot more fans into the arenas than los angeles is so it's a lot louder in the suns arena that's a disadvantage for the lakers like if that is not the most pathetic excuse that i have ever heard like i literally made like my outline for the rant and i put lol after that one i mean (laughs) that isn't the most ridiculous garbage of an excuse to tell me that someone that's been playing in the league for 18 years might be affected by having to deal with more crowd noise than the other team when they're on the road, like, okay, just, just get rid of this, you know? And then what, what was sad too, is like, he couldn't even be bothered to go shake these players hands after they lost. That pissed me off. Also like game five, like I said already, Tom Brady 2.0. Sorry, Nate. He, he walked, he walked off the court with six minutes left in the game. Uh, Oh, and that too. Oh yeah. He was getting early treatment on his ankle because he had to get some (laughs) treatment for his ankle. Well, AD was out there and not even playing in the game in his street clothes, but he was at least out there supporting the team. You think he could have been using some treatment? If I'm getting, if, I, if I'm having anybody get a head start on treatment, it's him who is obviously more injured and way more valuable to the team than LeBron, whose ankle, I get, oh, I guess they had to get him early treatment to get his ankle from 97% to 98%. Okay, yeah, whatever, <laughs> dude. So I'm, I'm sick of all the excuses. I'm sick that he couldn't even be bothered to go shake their hands and his press conference he's like oh yeah you know i love what devin booker's doing you know he's he's being a really great contributor for the suns and i love his game and you know really love that guy but yet you couldn't go shake his hand after the game or chris paul who's your bet one of your best friends you know you couldn't even go and shake his hand like probably congratulated him over text (laughs) yeah i mean seriously dude like even when, like, like Connor, Zach, and I, like, we have, like, a Madden and 2K franchise and stuff that we do. And, like, we'll have some games that get pretty heated from time to time. But even if, like, whichever one of us loses, even if we're really pissed off, like, we still tell the other one good game. And then, you know, within, like, the next few minutes, we're, like, playing Fall Guys or playing another game together. And, like, you know, we move on with our lives. You know, at least we're at least still, you know, respectable with each other. And we still love each other and care about each other. We're not, like oh, I can't even be bothered to congratulate you on your win. Like, forget you, dude. Like, I, you know what I mean? I never want to play Madden with you ever again. Yeah, like, exactly, dude. Like, I, you know, so it just, 
bothers me. And um, one more point I had to make. Sadly, I didn't think I was going to rant on Magic Johnson, but oh. I even <laughs> I even have to I <laughs> I even have to throw him in here because. This man was talking about my boy, Dennis Schroeder. Okay, everybody that was on the Thunder in that 2020 season when we were supposed to be the literal worst team in the NBA made the playoffs, even though my team traded them all away or let them all walk in free agency, like, I still respect them all, and, like, I root for them, even if they're on a team I don't like. Like, I still want them to do good. Uh, It was really weird watching Schroeder and Chris Paul going at it. I'm like, man, they were literally both on my (laughs) team last year. Yeah, but. This man, Magic Johnson, calls out my boy, Dennis Schroeder, and is like, oh, yeah, he doesn't have the heart to be a Laker. Uh, he doesn't have the competitive fire to be a Laker. Uh, you know, if the team resigns him, that's cool, I guess. But I just don't think he should be a Laker. You know, all this stuff. Well, Magic Johnson, did you watch game six of the playoffs? Did you see that lack of competitive fire from LeBron James? Like, now I will say Dennis Schroeder had a god-awful game five i'm not going to sit here and try and defend you know that o of nine performance and i'm not going to try and defend that but in game six in the elimination game you want magic johnson i guess like i said you weren't watching the game because you want to know a big reason why the lakers got back in that game when they were down by like 20 30 points it's because dennis Schroeder was actually giving an effort on defense and forcing bad shots which then led to rebounds to points on the other end or forced turnovers, which led to points on the other end, and was making a much higher percentage of his shots than LeBron was. But you're going to say that this man who literally put it all on the court and tried to get the Lakers back in the game, even though he probably won't be on the team next season, he could have just been like, well, I'm not going to be here next year anyway. Screw it. I'm whatever. I'm just going to quit, whatever. But he still tried to get his team the dub and tried to get the Lakers back in the game unlike LeBron, but you're going to say that he doesn't have the competitive fire to be a Laker? I don't think so, dude. I hope Schroeder leaves the Lakers because I hate the Lakers anyway. So my boy Schroeder deserves to be somewhere else. And yeah, okay. Time for Eric to <laughs> take a chill pill. All right, Eric. I'm gonna let, Good, I'm gonna, man. <laughs> I'm going to let y'all – that might be the longest rant I've ever done, but I just I had to get all that off my chest. But I'm going <laughs> to hand the mic over to you guys and go get hey, some water. Hey, it's all good. <laughs> That that was a terrific <laughs> man. I got. I'll give you credit, man. That was a. That was a. That was a. Yeah. Great now, now, could you imagine if the Clippers had lost to the Mavericks? <laughs> <laughs> Next week, guys, especially, tune in the Clutch Crew. Sports. Especially if it was like a. If it was like a sweep, like we thought it was gonna be. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, if they got swept by the Mavericks, like at least with them, if they had lost in seven, okay, that might not have been quite as bad. But yeah, if they've gotten swept, what it was looking like, I would have been like. Like flames would have been coming out of my eardrums, dude. <laughs> okay, I'll be back. <laughs> All right, good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, so let's go ahead and and end the show talking about the current NBA playoff matchups. So we'll start in the East, and the we have the Hawks seventy sixers um, in the one five matchup here. So uh, originally pre series, Eric and I took Philly. Connor took the Hawks. Now. The the crazy thing about this is Embiid, who got hurt in the Washington series, he he's back to playing and he actually played pretty well for him in game one. I was kind of speaking of game one, by the way, if you guys haven't heard, the Hawks are up one to zero as we are recording this. But um, his game one, he played really well and the, the team got blown out in the first half. And somehow I looked up at the scores and I was like, holy crap, it's only a two point game in the final seconds and then the Hawks like made some free throws or whatnot but uh this was a wild game uh for the 76ers sake though I'll say their comeback that they made in the second half of the game it was like the complete opposite of what Eric just talked about LeBron like (laughs) they got back into the game and I give them a lot of credit for that and I think that's going to serve them well going forward now obviously game two at home is a must win to tie the series but I still think the 76ers can can win the series here and they're going to have to I think what they need to really do because the Sixers are a great defensive team. I mean they they really that's their strength is defense. They are going to have to just bully Trey Young, just bully him. Um get physical and 
and make the Hawks, the other Hawks beat them. And and the other Hawks are good too. I'll give the other Hawks credit, but Trey young, obviously the best player you have to get physical bully him. And then your offense will come. The Sixers offense I think will come, but uh, they just got to play way better defense. I think they're capable of that, but Connor pre-series, you took the Hawks. So tell me what you liked uh, from game one and, and how you're feeling about them moving forward. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, this is kind of similar to me, like, you know, with their matchup against the Knicks, right? You know, I think there was in terms of that the Hawks have proven that they can do it and that the Sixers are beatable. I mean, truth be told, the reason when we did this like way back when before the playoffs even started, the reason why I picked the Hawks is because the Sixers are choke artists. So, you know, I figured they wouldn't, you know, I figured they'd find some way to screw this up. Like, obviously, if they get past this and the net and they end up playing the nets, like we're all going to pick the nets because the nets are just a better team. But, you know, I figured that, okay, the Hawks have a chance, especially after seeing like how, you know, I know Julius Randall had a pretty bad series, but I mean, you know, not all of that could be attributed to his, you know, like just him being bad, you know, the Hawks played pretty good defense in that series. And if they can shut down Julius Randall, I mean, obviously this, Sixers team has a lot more weapons with it, you know, with Embiid, you know, Capella is going to have to really do some work with Embiid, but, you know, Embiid and Simmons and Harris, you know, um, but they proved they can do it. And it's with their, you know, Trey Young had a great first game. Bogdanovich was hitting some good shots. John Collins even had a, a really, John Collins especially had a really big game for them. So I don't know. It's like, again, maybe they found this formula, you know, they got that first win on the road. That's always really important, you know, because now the home court advantage shifts to the Hawks since they already got that win on the road. Um, I expect the Sixers will probably come out and win game two. I know, you know, like you said, I like we all thought this game was going to be a blowout until the Sixers managed to get back in it. I mean, they obviously can't do that on a regular basis. Like they can't be getting way down. But, you know, I'm really confident that the Hawks are going to be able to win this series. And I'm so confident, in fact, that I am actually – I'm locking that the Hawks are taking this series. Like, I think it will probably go to seven games, but you can lock that the Hawks are going to take this series. The Sixers are not going to make it past this round. We got a lock. Wow. <laughs> Dang, guys, you got a rant and a lock in the same episode. <laughs> well, right. this episode All right. Is fire. So, yeah, you, you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> um, okay, so let's... Move on, talk about this other uh, series going on right now. Quote-unquote series. <laughs> yeah. It's, so the we're talking, of course, about the Bucks and Nets. And as we're recording this, we saw Game 2 and the blowout that that was. I don't even know what the final score was, but I know it, it was, was like bad. like 125 to like 85 or something like that. Yeah, that's terrible. God. <laughs> so the Nets are up 2-0. I don't think any of us expects the Bucks to have a chance now. Like... Here's the thing about the Nets, and this is what I kind of said in our group chat earlier, is, like, I picked the Nets preseason to win the finals. This was before they even added James Harden. But this is exactly why. I mean, Kevin Durant, he's the best player in this series. I Giannis has won two MVPs in a row, but in my opinion, Durant, he's the better player. He's the more clutch player. He's the player that makes... 85% 85% of his free throws. Uh, <laughs> and was that a call out? And, <laughs> and he's also the player. Hey man, calling out my can... agent <laughs> or my he's, client, he's... not my agent, my client. <laughs> yeah. You always mess that up. Like <laughs> I do. Uh, but, but the thing with Durant and we've talked about this, I remember, I think it was something like a podcast. So when they were on our show or we were on theirs, we talked about like, who would you rather have between, Giannis and Durant or something like that and and I said Durant because he gets his points so efficiently I mean he is the most efficient scorer in the NBA there's no question about it and it doesn't matter to him like that he needs to have the ball he doesn't need to have the ball he can others can get involved and get going early he can jump in the game and just make shots that's what he does I mean he is so good and Kyrie's playing really well, really great as well. So when you have him and then this opens up everything else for the role players. This is what I was saying. Joe Harris, he's he was a three point uh, three point contest champion a couple years ago. 
and he has this super team around him. So he's getting open shots. And of course he's making them cause he's, he was a three point champion. So this Nets team, their only concern I had on them was defense uh, to begin with. And they've been playing better playoff defense. So credit to that, but man, it's really looking like the Nets are, are going to take this finals here and, and win the championship. If they keep this up, um, Connor, do you want to add anything to this on the Bucks point of view? Like, because this is uh, not a good look, but you can excuse it at least since it's Brooklyn, right? Or no? I mean, I think you can excuse it a little bit, but I don't think you can excuse a 40-point loss <laughs> yeah. like what they just had. Like, if they were, I mean, like the game one loss, I could excuse because that was, you know, that was like what, uh, like a set, uh, an eight-point loss or something? Like, okay, like, yeah, you're on the road, you're playing against, you know, potentially the best team in the league. Like, you know, it's going to happen. So... No shame in that. This, obviously, again, Brooklyn's a great team. You know, they're poised to, you know, I still have them losing in the finals, but at least going to the finals, like, they're definitely the best team in the East. Um, but, yeah, it's just, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the Bucks could really do differently, honestly. Like, you know, it's more so, I think, what we were talking about last night. Like, they really just need better shooters, honestly. Like, I don't know where their defense went in this game. I don't know. Like, obviously, the Nets kind of, they shot over 50% uh, from the field. They were an exact 50% from three. So, um, you know, it's kind of hard to win when the other team's doing that. But the Bucks just didn't put up enough offense of their own. Giannis was like two of seven from the free throw line, which, you know, what you were mentioning. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just... I think it's what I said last year too. Like when I said that if the Bucks didn't win, I was never going to pick them again. And I just I don't ever see them winning with this squad. Like unless something changes, you know. I don't know. It's making. I wonder if Giannis is really starting to have second thoughts about signing that long term deal. Like man, you know, should he have tried to get out when he could? Because it's not looking like this Bucks team is ever going to go anywhere. Yeah, that's the sad thing for Bucks fans. Um, having a deal with Aaron Rodgers potentially leaving, and then now this <laughs> maybe Giannis if he wants to leave, man, that's tough times. Hey, at least Wisconsin. at least the, at least the Packers managed to win a Super Bowl in the last decade. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, let's go to the West now. Clippers Jazz in the four one matchup. All of the uh, better seeded West teams ended up winning this time around, which a lot of people didn't expect, but. Uh, so far, guys, this series has not started yet for us as we record this. Eric's rolling with the Clippers, and Connor and I are going with the Utah Jazz. I just think the Jazz are better than the Mavericks. I think there's no question about that. And we saw how difficult it had to be for the Clippers to beat the Mavericks. I, I just think Utah, is they're on a mission right now. I mean, they, they lost that game one. And Don, uh, not Don, uh, Mitchell was not playing in that. He came back and had a great performance. The the whole Jazz team, they're on a mission right now. I will say though, for them, they, I think they'd be. Uh, every team is this way, but they would really be, I think, beneficial to win this series early. Uh, just kind of win these first two games at home because the Clippers have a bad track of losing of, of winning at home for them so win these early games get up uh in the series like three to one after the first four games if they can and then that would be ideal close it out game five at home because that's the thing about the jazz is they have a real home court advantage i mean their their fans are some of the loudest fans in the nba they they have they always have a great home record so between them having the home court advantage, the Clippers typically being bad at home, and I still just really don't trust Paul George, and Eric can talk about Pandemic him maybe for a P. second. Pandemic P, yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm rolling with the Jazz on this one. I, I feel pretty safe about this. I'm not going to lock it like Connor did earlier, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty feeling pretty good about the Jazz in this series. Eric, tell me why I'm wrong. Why would you pick the Clippers? And I guess, what are we going to expect uh, to hear if the Clippers do lose this series? <laughs> I mean, it's all going to, if they do lose, it's going to depend on how, like, well or not well they do during the series. I mean, if they go out and get swept or something, then another incoming rant for sure. I mean, <laughs> but, if, but if they go out and, like, lose in seven and it, like, 
Mitchell hits a buzzer beater three to win game seven or something like that. Okay, I, you know, I, I can give him, you know, more slack, obviously, if that happens. So it's all going to depend on exactly how the series plays out. But, and I, I do think the Clippers are going to lose game one. I mean, I think the Jazz having a, they've had an advantage getting a lot more rest, whereas the Clippers had to go seven games with the Mavs. But I do think the Clippers can come back after the first game, though, if they do lose game one. I, while Paul George, as we talked about earlier, or I may have mentioned earlier, uh, he had a really horrible game seven, but he actually did play fairly well in most of the games against the Mavericks. And Kawhi had a couple off games, but he played pretty well for the most part. So it's going to, they're going to have to both click together, though, if they're going to beat the Jazz. They can't constantly, like, one of them be having an off night, and they definitely can't have times where if they both have an off night because then that that'll definitely be game over but i trust some of the uh i trust the other players that the clippers have uh reggie jackson was doing pretty well uh for them i i was impressed by how he played and surprisingly nick batum was playing pretty well i know that's shocking nick bum we always call him (laughs) nick bum you know like i was connor's favorite player (laughs) i was shocked when uh when Ty Lue put him in the starting lineup, uh, making adjustments, but it ended up being a good move having him in there over Zubac because Zubac was getting torched on uh, pick and rolls off of Luca, whereas Luca wasn't quite as successful with that when uh, when Bum was in there. I still I'll still call him Bum anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so some of the Clippers players, uh, you know, were playing better even though they don't have uh, Serge Ibaka, which I I would like their chances a lot better if they had him. But I do still think they have a pretty good chance to win. I This is another one that I, I predicted this one to go in seven. I predicted the Clippers in seven. So I think the Clippers, I'm not as like confident like as Connor was with the Hawks over the Sixers where like, oh, I'm going to lock this. I, I'm not that confident, but I, I picked them earlier and I'm sticking with them. I'm, I'm going to believe in them for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And then. We have the last series, the final one to discuss, the Denver Nuggets at the Phoenix Suns. So in our our picks beforehand, Connor taking the Denver Nuggets, Eric and I going with the Suns, and I'll speak for the Suns here. I just think the in their series against the Lakers, for as bad as in the Lakers offense is bad. I, I knew that they were going to be bad, but surprisingly the Lakers had a really good defense they had a great regular season defensive rating and all the stats and stuff but Phoenix really uh just threw that up I mean they they it didn't matter they got whatever they wanted especially in those later games when they took the lead back in the series uh they're just firing on all cylinders I mean Devin Booker was incredible and the here's the thing about the Nuggets which gives the Suns a much bigger advantage than the Blazers had on them is they've got uh obviously they have a great head coach but also too their center DeAndre Ayton he's been playing really really well and he's gonna give Jokic Jokic has talked well about him before he said Ayton is he's talked about how good DeAndre Ayton is so I expect Ayton, he's the X factor for sure for the Suns, I think, this time around. DeAndre Ayton, he's got to play Jokic, but um, I think he'll do fairly well against Jokic, and that's why I'm going with the Suns. Devin Booker will get his, and I just don't think the Nuggets can keep this up. Their three-point shooting that they had uh, with all those, with Michael Porter Jr. shooting out of his mind, Austin Rivers, uh, Compazzo, of all people. So the Nuggets, I think they got good uh good shooting in the first round i don't see that continuing whereas phoenix i see is more sustainable with their shooting that's why i picked phoenix but connor what made you pick denver on this one because i know most people around the nba are taking phoenix i don't know i guess it's just more of like you know you kind of have one of those feelings right you know i don't know if this one is you know when i picked the hawks over the sixers i think i maybe had more of like a I don't know, statistical reason, like factual reason for it. I don't know. This one, maybe it's just I have a feeling. Like, I think the Nuggets, I think the Nuggets are going to be able to keep it up. Um, 
you know, I know obviously Nikola Jokic, he's the MVP for a reason. Like he wouldn't be the MVP if he couldn't deal with guys like DeAndre Ayton. Um, <clears throat> you know, obviously he's a better defender than what the Trailblazers had. But I mean, the way that they were able to keep, you know, obviously, like you said, the Nuggets were shooting out of their minds a lot in those games, but they were also able to keep the Portland offense under control for the most part, at least in the games that they won. Like they had a couple bad games, like really, I mean, really, um, you know, game one wasn't good. Um, and then obviously game uh, four wasn't really good, but the rest of the time. And then obviously, you know, you had that game five that went to double overtime, but the other three games, they really were able to keep Portland in check. Um, you know, and Portland obviously isn't the greatest defensive team, but they have a hugely dynamic offense. And that was what was carrying them through a lot of their season and through, um, you know, the playoffs as well. So, I mean, if they can keep Portland in check, if they can keep Damian Lillard in check, you know, on a certain occasions, then I think they can keep Devin Booker in check. Um, you know, and also, obviously, Chris Paul is still hurt. So, you know, obviously, he played that whole series against the Lakers despite injuring himself. Like, he's not going to not play, but... You know, I have concerns for him about, you know, how effective he's going to be. And really just like, I don't know if he's going to get a lot of, if Booker is going to get a lot of help around him, um, especially with Paul being hurt. If Paul was healthy, I'd probably give the edge to the Suns. But with Paul being hurt, I don't know if the Suns are going to have enough offense to go with, obviously, you know, being able to shut down the Nuggets, but they're not going to have enough offense to put up there uh, to keep up with that. So, I don't know. I just, in the Nuggets, they find, they somehow find a way every, you know, in the playoffs until they get <laughs> yeah. to the Western conference finals and then they seem to fall apart. But, you know, until they get there, they seem to find a way. So um, I'm going to go with the MVP and the Nuggets. <laughs> I will say though, I, as far as Chris Paul, I don't think he's as hurt as he wants people to think because I saw a video. It, I forget which Lakers game it was, but he was like on the ground and he was like, he was like, crying out in pain and he was like and then he started holding his knee and then he went to go to his shoulder like it is people are saying like oh chris paul forgot to say it was a shoulder injury not a knee injury <laughs> like <laughs> um because it looked like he was like trying to act like oh my knee my knee but then oh wait it's the shoulder but so i <laughs> and the fact that he did play those games too gives me confidence for him i think i think with paul a lot of times it's he's he makes it look bad but he still can play and that first game that he played in the Lakers series, he definitely something was up with him, but I think he's gotten better as it went on. So that's going to wrap things up guys. Oh, those are the final words of this episode. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about how these games have been going and it should be a lot of fun to see where these series end up going. Comment below if you're watching on YouTube or send us a message on Twitter at clutch crew sport, um, tweet to us who you think wins these series and these games. We would love to hear from you. And until then, guys, remember, be clutch. Bye. Peace.